0: Hello, and welcome to More Than Abstract. I'm Brangel, and I'm joined by Eric. Hi, Eric. How you doing? Good. So, Eric, you, you know how when something happens in the world, like, say, Chernobyl happened, I personally am very interested in the specifics behind what made that happen, why it happened, and what changed because of it, if anything, did. And and so I've collected a series of stories of what I think happened or what i'm pretty sure happened um during some of these events and well i want to disseminate this information and what better way to do it than by telling you the audience
1: yes me the audience
0: yes you the audience now i don't tell eric what i'm going to be talking about or show him any of the scripts and well uh i I tell you the beginning and the end of a story, and then we figure out the middle together. Sounds good to me. So, are you ready, Eric? Let's do it. All right. I'm going to start with some of the earliest microorganisms in the ocean, and I'll try to focus on one main microorganism in particular and end with how this one probably, maybe, allegedly killed most other bacteria on the Earth. Not sure where you're going with this, but I'm interested. Okay. Well, if you ever thought humans were bad at making species go extinct, well, this one, uh, it'll make, give you a run for its money. Supposedly. Allegedly. This,
1: uh, allegedly the extinct master. Exact. So, as you might be able to gather, I,
0: I'll be talking about events that happened billions of years ago. Um, Specifically, it's about two and a half billion years ago. This is probably the first mass extinction event, but it's a bit hard to tell exactly, just because all the dead bodies from the organisms that died uh, would be swept away by the ocean floor long ago before anyone could have the capacity to mourn over all this. So let me set the stage for you right, uh, right before this whole thing went on the sun was pretty young two and a half billion years ago uh and it was a bit dimmer uh, so it didn't give off as much heat but that did not mean that the earth was colder in fact it was hotter than it is now because our atmosphere was filled with more things like carbon dioxide sulfur dioxide uh, these greenhouse gases that were in the atmosphere
1: so we were we were more like venus
0: more like venus not exactly venus but or supposedly exactly like venus so Earth was much hotter, but it still had its oceans, or it it at least had some ocean to it. And the only thing that existed, the only life on Earth was single cell organisms that were deep under the ocean.
1: When you're talking about um, essentially ancient Earth, I think about Pangaea. Now, in my mind, Pangaea is a giant monocontinent with a metric ton of ocean. Is that not correct? This is perhaps 2 billion years before Pangaea. Oh!
0: Pangaea was about 500 million years ago. So, the Earth that you would see would be oceans with some continents on it, but there's just dirt and rock. There's no plant life on there at all. There's right. volcanoes erupting all over the place, but nothing that would seem familiar to you. The Earth had long passed its heavy bombardment period and the moon was in the sky it was a, there, there would be a beautiful moon that you could see but there sure isn't any life that can see it not because uh, only because it was uh, life was only in the oceans but none of them would dare to come close enough to the surface to gaze upon the moon
1: can you define bombardment period
0: bombardment period that is a period in the early earth's history when there were a lot of asteroids around. And so the Earth was just shelled with asteroids all over and over again. And supposedly oh. it was uh, the, the early moon collided with the Earth and then it, it was captured by the Earth. I
1: was going to ask that, but you beat me to it. All right.
0: At this time, there was no ozone layer to protect the surface from all the UV light that would shine down below. And UV light, if you don't know, is really bad for life. Uh, and worse off for single, or- uh, single cell organisms, just because one well-targeted shot of UV would easily destroy the cell, uh, the cell's ability to reproduce by just hitting its DNA or something.
1: Can you define the acronym UV light? So that, w- that would be ultraviolet light. Uh, any light that is higher
0: energy than blue light. Okay, so you have life. They don't go to the surface. They just stay under, un- under, the, under the water and then along comes our prime suspect
1: the serial murderizer
0: the serial murderizer cyanobacteria and you know the worst part what's that this bacteria that maybe probably allegedly did the mass extinction is still around to this day okay what it got away with it it got away with its crimes okay that's actually really impressive yeah, it's it's impressive. It's it's not the same form. Um, early life back in those days were prokaryotes, which means that they didn't protect their DNA and central important reproductive stuff from the environment. So it's just like a whole bunch of goop floating around inside a cell. Well, it doesn't sound
1: work. it doesn't sound like the murderizer needed to. If, if this if this bacteria is still around, it doesn't sound like it needed to protect itself very well. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. So how exactly did it do it? Like, if cyanobacteria
0: were going to write a book, what would be in that book? Well, we can't really go up to it and ask. (laughs) Just be like, why'd you do it? So we're going to have to figure it out through indirect measurements, mostly through geology. Geology is integral to this. So uh, geologists were looking at a bunch of layers of rocks. And, um, well, if you don't know, if you dig down below the Earth and you find different layers of rocks um, the further down you go, the further back in time you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. So geologists dig deep into the earth and they see this little barrier. That's a bit weird to them above this barrier. So before 2 billion years ago, so closer to our time, they would see rust. So iron oxide, so iron with oxygen in it. But beyond this layer, more than 2 billion years ago, they would see just iron and it would be hard to you wouldn't
1: often see rusted iron there. That's interesting. I'm sure I'm going to find out why all of a sudden there was enough oxygen to make this iron rust in those layers.
0: Yeah, and this was consistent wherever they could find material old enough. So this would imply that there was all of a sudden a whole bunch of oxygen in the atmosphere to cause things to rust. So chemists have a term for this kind of atmosphere. It's called a reducing atmosphere uh, compared to the oxidizing atmosphere that we have today, which just means there's a lot of oxygen
1: around. Right, right. We're living in the after.
0: Yeah, in the after. So what's so special about this? Well, one thing is that if you have, say, iron laying around, it won't rust in a reducing atmosphere, so the old Earth's atmosphere. So if you had, say, the Statue of Liberty Mm. in the old Earth, It wouldn't be green. It would be copper color because it's green today because of all the rust that goes to
1: it. That's an excellent example.
0: That's what it would kind of be like. Also, you wouldn't be able to breathe, but that's not really important because humans would never be around (laughs) at that that point. And then along comes cyanobacteria in this rust-free world and starts uh, making a ton of oxygen in the atmosphere. This might be one of the first instances of photosynthesis in the early Earth.
1: Oh, The bacteria photosynthesize?
0: Yeah. I'll get to that uh, uh, in the end. Okay. So this is photosynthesis in a similar way to what we have today. You know, plants take carbon dioxide and water from around them, and then uh, using sunlight, they turn it into oxygen gas and then sugar, usually. I'm not sure if cyanobacteria at this time turned it into sugar, but they turned it into something.
1: Well, it sounds like they turned it into a lot of oxygen.
0: They turned it into a lot of oxygen, for sure. Now, there's just one problem with all this. Oxygen makes things rust. That's a problem. My car knows all about it. Oh no. Let's hope. Hopefully, your car is in a reducing atmosphere to get rid of that (laughs) rust. So, if oxygen gas were to come in contact with DNA, it could very easily break the strand, or at least cause mutations. And for a single-cell organism, that can very easily be fatal, especially uh, since it was early life. So. They didn't really have proteins to repair DNA or a nucleus that protects the DNA from the rest of the cell or whatever is around. So it can be pretty dangerous.
1: At such micro of a level, I don't know how much of an impact that would actually have.
0: Well, um, if oxygen gas were to come into a bad part of the neighborhood of the cell, then, well, it would be bad. For the so, cell, correct.
1: Um, for the cell. How bad is that for an organism of our size?
0: I don't think it's that bad, because we definitely have DNA repair proteins. So they're supposed to go in there and fix all the stuff that goes wrong. So all this oxygen would come in contact with these early-life bacteria. And the cyanobacteria would be, in essence, poisoning themselves. uh, Just because they release oxygen, but the oxygen poisons them, kills them. But somehow, at some point, this bacteria eventually was able to cope with having oxygen around it and that's when its population really started to explode you know it was it was there's there's plenty of food around the sun's always shining and well you're not killing yourself every time you try to eat
1: yeah yeah you just poop it out they were the first
0: poopers you know i don't think they're the first poopers but they're the first exhalers close enough it's just gas poop (laughs) gas poop so because their population exploded, there's more of this stuff that makes oxygen. But everything else, all the other bacteria, would start to get poisoned by it. Right. Or rather, you would expect them to. Oh. We don't really know. We can't really ask them because they're dead or we don't know if they're old enough. Plot twist. So, like, like, imagine this. You're living your life, and all of a sudden, sea levels rise, you know, hundreds of meters. And all of a sudden, you have to survive on water. You've, you've probably encountered seawater before, and you would do okay for a while just by treading water, but you can't live like that. None of us can.
1: No, I don't live in Florida.
0: <laughs> and, and that's why this period is set to maybe, probably, allegedly be the first mass extinction event with cyanobacteria as the main suspect. This whole thing has a few names to it. It's called the Great Oxygenation Event, the oxygen crisis, or even the oxygen holocaust.
1: Oh, really? The oxygen holocaust? Yep. Okay.
0: It's, and it's not a small amount of oxygen either. It's a solid 2 to 5%. So for, for context, oh. um, the carbon dioxide that we're worried about, it's about 420 parts per million, I think? that's uh, So the oxygen here would be 20,000 parts per million from basically
1: zero. I get what you're saying, but it's hard to per- put into perspective the, the size of the atmosphere that we're talking about.
0: It would be roughly the same size as
1: today. Oh, no, 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 I get that. But like, like how much of the atmosphere and that change and what it causes?
0: Well, this cyanobacteria over millions of years was able to take oxygen levels in the atmosphere from almost zero to about two to five percent, where it stayed steady for a long time.
1: Can you, can you shrink down the size of your comparison to the size of your bedroom?
0: Uh, I don't think I can. Oh, fair. Our atmosphere is big. It's got a, a <laughs> bunch of oxygen in it now because of all this phytoplankton. And that's what this um, category of bacteria are called, phytoplankton. Oh, They're around to this day and, and produce most of our uh,
1: oxygen on Earth. I didn't know that's what phytoplankton were.
0: Yeah, cyanobacteria is a type of phytoplankton, some of the oldest ones. But this time, it protects its DNA from all the oxygen around it, just like all the other organisms.
1: How does it do that?
0: Uh, Well, it has a nuclear shell around it. It's like a membrane. So you know how cells have their own membrane? Well, there's a second membrane inside of that, the nuclear membrane, to protect uh, protect the DNA
1: against everything else. So it's like its own suit of armor or shield? Yeah,
0: kind of. Okay. To me, it's it's really impressive that a bunch of microorganisms were able to make such a big impact, and well, they were able to change their own genes to uh, cope with the environment that they were given. And some of them, some of their neighbors were not. Not all, of course. We're here, and we have microorganisms of varying um, uh, variety. So some of them must have survived. And that's all I have for you, Eric. Ooh. We went from the earliest life to the maybe probably allegedly death of um, most other organisms at that time
1: but how does this get us to events like chernobyl
0: oh uh this is an, an event that happened on the earth uh and i was wondering how we got so much oxygen in our atmosphere oxygen gas um just because it seems like photosynthesis is, is the only process that did it. So the, it, there must have been a starting point. And this was essentially the starting point of having oxygen in our atmosphere. Got it. So I hope you liked this. Eric, I hope you enjoyed me talking about the great oxygenation event.
1: I uh, learned more than I expected to, actually. If you enjoyed this podcast,
0: uh, please consider subs- subscribing uh, or leaving a review. If you want to listen to more of these, uh, you can find us wherever you get podcasts.